We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the BCP Podcast. I am currently on cloud nine. Just a few minutes ago, I wrapped up my conversation and interview with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Incredible information he had to share with patriots, lovers of Americans, conservatives, Christians. Just what a great conversation. And as you'll see, It wasn't much of a conversation as it was all of us, when you hear it, should have a notebook out and take notes of the nuggets of wisdom in this almost sermon from Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Uh, It was a great conversation. What's going to happen with that is I'm, I'm going to edit that and that's going to be our weekend special. Those of you who are our Inner Circle Patreon supporters, those of you who support us on Patreon in the inner circle, in a few hours, I will put up the raw unedited video so you can just see how it played out our whole conversation. And then uh, when I edit it, the podcast version will be out this weekend. So look forward to it. Let's get into what I want to do in this episode uh, today, Tuesday, February 27th. I want to concentrate on all the Trump news and Trump related news that we have Lots of things going on in New York, things going on, obviously, not just with the New York case with uh, Angren and uh, Letitia James, but also what's going on in the city of New York with the with the DA, uh, Alvin Bragg. And we've got lots of analysis of this. We've got what's going on with, uh, it looks like we're getting more insight into his possible VP pick. And we've got news about the election and Trump uh, in general, and what he's going to be up to in the next 24 hours. So let's get into all of that. But first, let's start off with a little bit of a dig by Fox News, who continue to show their true colors. Dreams here, and so we can get ahead. And they're going to see the Biden T-shirts that were in his his first six months of his administration as well. And they're going to see clips like this. Well, I, I think both candidates have to realize this, that if uh, on the left, if uh, Joe Biden listens to the squad, he loses. Mm-hmm. And I think if Donald Trump listens to Matt Gates and Steve Bannon, he loses. They have to understand that most of the people are not on the extremes. And if you could understand that, you're going to win. The first one to understand that and does what they think they should do, and now what the extremists are bullying them to do, is going to be successful. 
All right, I don't watch Fox News, but I think we all know that Brian Kilmeade at Fox News, you just heard there, is an anti-Trump, Republican name-only establishment, Republican type. But this was uh, this was kind of a new low, really, comparing the leftist progressive squad on the commie Marxist Democrat side to patriots like Steve Bannon and Matt Gates on the right side, calling them extremists and equating the extreme right of Matt Gates and Steve Bannon, who bully President Trump, to the Marxist bastards on the left. That's a new low, even for Brian Kilmeade and Fox News. Most of the people are not on the extremes. And if you could understand that, you're going to win. The first one to understand that and does what they think they should do, and now what the extremists are bullying them to do, is going to be successful. Brian Kilmeade really showed some dumbassery there. President Trump is not bullied by anyone. He does what he wants, and luckily, what he wants is what he thinks is best for this country and her citizens. To think that President Trump is bullied by Matt Gates or Steve Bannon can only come from a weak man like Brian Kilmeade who is told what to say and think. And if he's not, he's got wrong think. But hey, we believe in the First Amendment. He has a right to express his dumbassery on the airwaves of Fox News. Now tomorrow is going to be a very, well actually not tomorrow, but Wednesday, is going to be a very, very interesting day as President Trump and President Biden compete. It hurts me to say President Biden, but in this context, it's necessary that we understand that there's a competition happening between uh, both of them. And it's not what you think. We're back with some breaking news. President Biden will travel to the southern border in Texas this Thursday. He works to get the bipartisan Senate border deal passed and also making a border visit Thursday, former President Donald Trump. Well, the president on the defensive over immigration, and he is planning to travel to Texas here this week. But his trip comes as former President Trump is also set to visit a border city. Fox News correspondent Madeline Rivera is in Washington with the latest. Both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump are headed to the U.S.-Mexico border Thursday. Their dueling events come as the race for the 2024 presidential election ramps up, setting up a showdown over immigration, with less than nine months to go before voters head to the polls. Republicans have been critical of the Biden administration's handling of migrants crossing into the United States. An open border is the Biden border policy, full stop. That has been their policy. But Democrats say it's Republicans who are to blame. And who do they feature? Of course, when you talk about Democrats, since Joe Biden's not going to be running in 2024, you got to put at this point who I think is his most likely surrogate, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. 
The Republican Party is responsible today now for the conditions that persist because of their unwillingness to work with this president who went farther than any Democratic president in my lifetime yeah. on a comprehensive package. President Biden last visited the border in January 2023. The White House says Thursday the president will, quote, discuss the urgent need to pass the Senate bipartisan border security agreement, the toughest and fairest set of reforms to secure the border in decades. Now, really, who do even Democrats really believe that Biden as president is really fighting for border security when one of his first acts was to let all of the border wall that was already constructed, the actual wall, sit there and languish and rust and deteriorate in fields and paid people not to put up the border wall? Is there really anyone out there who is falling for this narrative? Yeah, there are. I'll get to that in a second. But the president's plan ties border security measures to aid for Ukraine and Israel, a deal that House Speaker Mike Johnson says doesn't go far enough on border security and will never see the light of day in his chamber. Folks, doing nothing is not an option. The president is reportedly considering using executive authority to restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum if they cross illegally, something the House Speaker has called for but says amounts to election year gimmicks. We're only hearing about this nod, nod, wink, wink, bipartisan border security deal, which is not a border security deal, because as the report said there, they really want to get their funding for Ukraine. They can't let that cash cow... They can't let that gravy train end. The biggest open before our eyes money laundering back to corrupt politicians on both sides of the aisle and their families that has ever been evident and right in front of us, I think, in the history of open corruption as far as the huge amounts of money that are going to Ukraine and find their ways back into the pocketbooks, purses, and offshore accounts of elitist politicians in both the Republican and Democrat Party. Now, this border visit on Thursday, while eating ice cream, Joe Biden was asked about it. And this is what he had to say. I've been planning to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. And will you meet your migrants while you're there, Mr. President? Well, I'm not going to announce ahead of time. Secret Service doesn't like me announcing exactly what I'm doing. Joe Biden once again having his ice cream. He can't be interrupted. And the handlers shooing the press away. Go away, you informants of the peasants. King Joe and Queen Jill don't need to answer to you. Let them eat ice cream. Let him eat ice cream in peace. Two questions in and already they're shooing the press away. But think about that. Joe Biden had no idea that his friend, his buddy, President Trump is showing up that day. If he doesn't know something as basic as that before the press brings it to his attention, what else does he not really know? Oh, he doesn't know anything. Because just as we see with the press shooing away, uh, uh, his excuse me, his, uh, his people shooing away the press, he is handled, he is controlled. He is the fake president. He is the former vice president, Joe Biden, who they rigged the election in favor of so they can put him in and then control him. 
Now, I played for you earlier Brian Kilmeade saying President Trump and Joe Biden are both controlled respectively by the extremists within their parties. Obviously, if I've already commented, it's, it's ridiculous to think that President Trump is controlled by anybody. But from what you heard Joe Biden say there, obviously he's not in charge of anything. He didn't know that he was going to be there the same day as Trump. And he doesn't say where he's going to be. Well, not because he doesn't know, which he probably won't know until that day. And they, they give him his cocktail of pills and IVs, whatever, to make him somewhat lucid. But also because, you know, he said there, I'm not going to tell you because the Secret Service doesn't like me to tell you this. We often hear Joe Biden say things like this, like they don't want me to do this or they don't like it when I do that because he's not in control. He is a puppet. He is the puppet fake president. He is the former vice president acting as a president. Funny thing on YouTube, what I used to do, YouTube used to like us to, maybe they still do, like people to say President Biden. And I would say President Biden, but I would say former vice before that. So I would would call him the former vice president, Joe Biden, and the algorithm and the AI, the artificial intelligence that, I mean, the technology at YouTube is incredible. The minute you download it, they generate a transcript that fast. And then the bots go through the transcript to see what what you said. And... When they would go through my transcript over on the Black Conservative Patriot channel, they would hear President Joe Biden because the AI wasn't really picking up that I was saying former Vice President Joe Biden. It would satisfy the algorithm that I would call him President Joe Biden or President Biden. Speaking of Vice President, who is going to be President Trump's vice presidential pick? Now, obviously, this is a fun game for all of us, for us pundits to sit there and try to analyze and anticipate and pontificate on who should be and who might be in the running to be his vice president. Well, something took place at Mar-a-Lago, which may or may not be an indication of who he's going to pick for his vice president, but most likely is at least an indication of who he's considering. Daily Caller exclusive, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, rumored VP contender, met with Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Republican South Dakota Governor Chrissy Noem, who is rumored to be on the shortlist for vice president, met Monday with President Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago, a source familiar told The Daily Caller. A new Kaplan Strategies Wisconsin poll released on February 23rd shows Noem is the preferred pick to be Trump's running mate. Trump has reportedly been considering Noem and a list of others to be his running mate. Or his running mate. According to that poll, Noem has the highest favorability rating with 39% of voters saying they have a very or somewhat favorable view of her. In second place was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, followed by 2024 presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy with 28%. During the annual Conservatives Political Action Committee Summit, Noam uh, tied with Ramaswamy with the highest amount of support in their stroll poll with 15%. Former Democratic Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard came in third with 9%, followed by New York Representative Representative Elise Stefanik with 8%. I don't think President Trump is serious about a Tulsi Gabbard. I think he just says that uh, or answers a question. Oh, yeah, she's good. You know, I might consider her or what have you. I know people are getting all up in arms. I don't think, I don't see President Trump who has been, in my opinion, and, and you can call this a critique or a criticism of President Trump. President Trump has 
I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, he's not, he hasn't been def, deferential, but he has been respectful of the Republican Party. I would have, and, and tactically, I'm sure this is not a good move, but I would have seriously considered after the Republican Party threw me under the bus if I were President Trump in, at the end of 2020, just switching parties, well, not switching parties, starting my own party, the MAGA party, the Patriot Party, whatever the case may be. But President Trump has hung in there with the Republicans. So it seems pretty, I would think, remote possibility that President Trump, after all of this is said and done, would pick a vice presidential uh, uh, running mate that isn't a Republican. So he's not going to pick a Tulsi Gabbard. He's not going to pick a, a RFK Jr. We already know he's not going to. He's not going to pick a mansion. Talking about uh, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. But interestingly enough, Joe Manchin would pick him or would support him. I'll get to that in a second. But I want to know, what are your thoughts? Put it down below. For those of you on Patreon, Locals, and Spotify, please put your comments down below. Sorry, folks, on Spotify, I can see your comments. You can comment and answer the question I put up on there, and I can see your comments. But it doesn't. Uh, it's not interactive where I can reply back to your comments. But I do read them for those of you on Spotify. And then obviously I can interact with you on Locals and on Patreon. Once again, thank you so much uh, for your support. This is a subscriber-supported show, and I greatly appreciate your support. Okay, well, since I talked about Manchin for a second, let me get into that news. The Epic Times reporting Senator Manchin will back Trump if he becomes president. The senator will not vote for President Trump and believes Biden has gone too far to the left. Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, vowed to back whoever wins the 2024 presidential race, even if it is former President Donald Trump. I'm going to do everything I can to help my president be successful, he said in an interview with Fox. He was responding to whether he had any fears for the country if the Republican candidate was to win a second term. Mr. Manchin clarified that he will support President Trump if he wins the 2024 race, but I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. When asked about President Trump being potentially vindictive after his victory, Mr. Manchin said he would work with the GOP candidate to ensure that such things do not happen. So once again, uh, Joe Manchin has been very clear. He is not running for president. He is not going to vote for President Trump. But when he uh, becomes president, he will support him. He also recently said that most people, kind of like, uh, actually it was in a Fox News interview, I believe. He actually said that most people govern from the center. That he wants to be a centrist and that he's a central guy. He's not a progressive left. He's not a right guy. And that's where the country is and that's where they govern from and that's how they control you know that's how they lead their lives that's only coming from someone who's from the center now many of us uh conservative christians we don't live our life in the center we live ourselves we live our lives in the right both the right and the right right politically in the political spectrum and also in the right meaning not the wrong we are going to champion things like religious freedom and live our lives morally as we follow Jesus, as we follow God, as we follow Jehovah, as we follow the Judeo-Christian religions, as we don't like and are against evil practices like abortion and chopping off the penises of little boys 
and the breasts of young pubescent girls. We are not in the center on those topics. We are on the right. Stand for nothing and you'll fall for anything. All right, and since we're talking about uh, wrapping up here, presidential and vice presidential and the elections, it is, as I mentioned, rumored being analyzed that Gavin Newsom will be the person that they're going to switch Joe Biden for. But he got a blow in the last few days in that there is a second recall effort that has officially started its preliminary stage. We filed this morning. Um, we served the governor with a notice of intent to recall. That's right. Over in California, yesterday morning, Rescue California started their second recall effort, the second in three years, against California Governor, Governor Newsom, by serving him with an intent to recall. Um, This is a preliminary um, element to the total process of recalling uh, someone in office. Um, Simultaneously, we then um, also filed with the Secretary of State. Now, there's been some rule changes since the last time we did this, whereby instead of having 10 top people to be the petitioners, We now had to come up with a minimum of 325 people to sign the notice of intent in a minimum of five counties. We went ahead and filed with 450, over 450 signatories in less than three days. Um, Got it up to the lawyer on Friday um, and he went over and personally served the governor, then went down to the Secretary of State's office by about 930. Uh, and we completed day one of the process to recall the governor. That was Anne Hyde Dunsmore, the campaign director for RescueCalifornia.org, and their second attempt to recall Gavin Newsom. Now, Gavin Newsom was probably recalled back in 2021 if the system was free and fair in California and worked like it's supposed to. And we had free and fair elections in states like California. But they rigged the California recall vote for him to stay in power. California has rigging elections down. Pat, they've had it uh, down for quite some time. Now, the Democrats are continuing along with their operatives to do everything possible to steal the election of 2024, not just in the usual ways, but in the unprecedented ways of trying to imprison President Trump and trying to fine him and hurt him uh, into oblivion in hopes that he will just give up and not run. And so far, that has been a spectacularly failing effort by the Democrats. A Harvard Caps Harris survey found that 50% of Gen Z approved of President Trump. Newsweek reporting, Gen Z loves Donald Trump more than any other age group. Wait a minute. Aren't young voters and black and Hispanic voters the ones needed for President Trump to win? Donald Trump has a higher approval rating among young adults than any other age demographic, according to the poll. 
When the results are broken down further, they show that almost two-thirds of voters in Gen Z, those 18 to 24, approved of Trump's job as president. Now, this also means that many of these people were children during Trump's time in office. However, the results could be yet another warning sign for Joe Biden's re-election hopes. This is Newsweek, folks. In 2020, young voters were crucial in Biden's victory as Gen Z millennials supported Biden over Trump by margins of about 20 points in the record-breaking turnout, according to analysis by the Pew Research Center. Well, President Trump actually won 2020, even with this demographic going for Biden, and now they're going for him in 2024. So what do they have to do? They have to continue the lawfare against the president. And let's get into the latest from D.A. Alvin Bragg. News out of Trump legal world. Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg is seeking a gag order against former President Donald Trump before they get to trial at the end of next month in that criminal hush money case. Fox News reporting Manhattan D.A. Bragg requests judge impose gag order on Trump during the hush money case. D.A. Bragg claimed Trump has a long history of making public and inflammatory remarks in various judicial proceedings. Oh my goodness gracious, heaven forbid that in America, whether it's Trump or anybody else, that they're able to practice their First Amendment rights. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has requested a judge impose a gag order with less than a month to go until the hush money criminal case goes to trial. In three separate court filings this uh, about a week ago, less than a week ago, Bragg and his team asked for an order preventing Trump from making statements attacking others involved in his legal cases, sought a protective order to prohibit the names and addresses of jurors from being disclosed to anyone other than the attorneys, and requested evidence and testimony regarding campaign finance be limited. Okay, let's break this down. A protective order to prohibit the names and addresses of jurors? Trump doesn't do that. You can't do that. He doesn't do that. That's ridiculous. That's just thrown in there to make it seem like President Trump and his legal team are doing bad things. You can't make statements attacking others involved in the legal case. That's ridiculous. Of course you can. And also requested evidence and testimony regarding campaign finance be limited. Oh, why? Because they don't want people to know where Alvin Bragg's money is coming from. That's probably what that's all about. Prosecutors claim Trump has a history of verbally attacking people involved in his cases. He is the victim of a witch hunt. And guess what? Even if he weren't, you are innocent until proven guilty and you have a right to air that out in the court of public opinion. Defendant has a long history of making public and inflammatory remarks about the participants in various judicial proceedings against him, including jurors, witnesses, lawyers, and court staff. Well, that court staff, like in the case of Judge Engron, they're actually the ones running things and having undue influence. He should be able to comment on that. Those remarks, as well as the inevitable reactions they incite from the defendant's followers and allies. Once again, they're, they're worried about the dog whistle. The dog whistle. Because when Trump doesn't like something, he riles us up because we are robots. We do not think for ourselves. We just do what President Trump tells us to do. And President Trump just does what Matt Gates and Steve Bannon tell him what to do. Those remarks as well as the inevitable reactions they incite. And because of this, it poses a significant and imminent threat to the orderly administration of this criminal proceedings and a substantial likelihood of causing material prejudice. (laughs) 
Oh man, talk about prejudice. All the prejudice, all the animus goes one way and it's against Trump. But that's not the only news we have coming out of New York when it comes to Trump lawfare. Let's move upstate for this next one. And by upstate, I mean let's go from Manhattan DA up to the state attorney general where the attorney general, Letitia James, has taken to posting how much President Trump's fraudulent balance that he owes the state goes up because of the $114,000, almost $115,000 of daily interest. This is how petty and nasty this woman is. But guess what? Guess who may hold the key to this whole thing falling apart and upholding the Eighth Amendment coupled with the 14th Amendment and helping Trump win this. Would you believe that ironically, it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She may have given Trump the key to overturning the New York judgment back in 2019. This is is very interesting. Let me delve into this great, uh, the Western General report yesterday uh, by Randy DeSoto. Let me give you the highlights. Oh, the irony. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died in 2020, wrote the majority opinion in a 2019 case that likely will help President Trump's appeal of the $455 million with interest civil fraud judgment against him. Ginsburg, of course, was no fan of Trump. She uh, called him uh, a fake. Uh, On CNN, she called him a faker. So this was interesting. A little over a year, in February, uh, uh, before she passed away, in February of 2019, Kinsburg wrote the majority opinion in Tim's versus Indiana, which looks to play prominently in Trump's appeal of New York Judge Arthur Engeren's ruling against him in a civil fraud case. Engeren concluded that the Trump organization inflated the value of its properties in order to get better loan terms. On February 16th, the judge imposed a fine of $355 million plus $100 million in interest, which will continue to accrue at approximately $100,000 each day. Last week, Trump's attorney filed a request to stay enforcement of the judgment for 30 days as it prepared for their client's appeal, but Judge Engren denied the request. On Monday, President Trump's lawyers filed his notice of appeal. At the heart of that appeal, no doubt, will be an argument that Engren's ruling violates the Eighth Amendment, which prohibits excessive fines from being imposed. Trump's legal team argued during the trial that all the loans from banks were paid on time in full, that there were no victims, the banks made millions of dollars by loaning to his company, and continue to want to do more business with the Trump organization. But New York Attorney General Letitia James's office built its case on New York Executive Law 6312, which does not require damages to be shown and grants the court the power to impose whatever penalties the judge deems proper. In September, Engeren ordered the dissolution of the Trump organization, but a New York appeals court temporarily stayed the decision in early October to give Trump the chance to appeal the ruling. Last month, the Associated Press reported that after analyzing 70 years of civil fraud cases under this law, nearly 150 cases in all, its researchers concluded that Trump's case would be the only big business found that was threatened with a shutdown without showing of obvious victims and major losses. Engren ultimately did not include the dissolution in his final ruling, 
but he did impose a massive fine and bar Trump from serving as an officer director of the Trump organization for three years. Eric and Don Jr. Uh, are limited for two years. That's how long the son's prohibition is. Legal, legal experts have pointed to the Eighth Amendment as a basis for Trump's appeal. Now, here is, let's get to the part with uh, Ruth Ginsburg. The Supreme Court held 9-0 to zero in the Tim's case that the Eighth Amendment is applicable to the states. The court ruled against Indiana for assessing a fine that was grossly disproportionate to the gravity of the offense. The state was seeking to confiscate defendant Tyson Tibbs' $42,000 Land Rover. The value was more than four times the maximum $10,000 fine that he was liable for in a criminal case that involved controlled substances and conspiracy to commit theft. The Eighth Amendment's excessive fine clause is an incorporated protection applicable to the states under the 14th Amendment's due process clause that justices found. And Ginsburg argued in the case, quote, The prohibition embodied in the excessive fines clause carries forward protections found in sources from Magna Carta to the English Bill of Rights to state constitutions from the colonial era to the present day. Protection against excessive fines has been a constant shield throughout Anglo-American history for good reason. Such fines undermine other liberties. They can be used to retaliate against or kill the speech of political enemies she observed. And that certainly seems to be the case here with Letitia James and her 2018 campaign office uh, campaign promise that she would get Trump and she called him an illegitimate president. Interesting to see that it may be a person who hated Trump, but uh, we got to give credit where credit is due. Even though she was definitely progressive, uh, Ginsburg came down on the right side of history on quite a few cases. And it looks like uh, posthumously her opinions are going to be used in this argument and may end up saving Trump's bacon. Not because Trump did anything wrong, but because these treasonous traitors rat bastards are breaking the Constitution and it's not going to fly. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. And uh, don't forget to to tune in this weekend. My weekend special report will be my interview with Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, which I had earlier today. For those of you in the inner circle on Patreon, you'll have access. It won't be edited. It'll just be the raw footage um, of that interview so you can uh, get a heads up. Hasta mañana. Ciao, goodbye. God bless. We're in a situation where we have put together... And you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics.